Hello, everyone, and welcome to the evening professional VMware US. Uh, tonight, we have a very special treat. With me this evening are the three authors of IT Architect, Foundation in the Art of Infrastructure Design. Um, in addition to being VCDXs and having a slew of IT accolades, Mark and John consistently get their names, their last names mispronounced at events across the globe. And also, Chris McCain might or might not be the defensive end for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, for those <laughs> attending, the authors are generously offering a 20% discount off on the price of their book for the duration of the webinar. A uh, couple of housekeeping notes real quick. Uh, get in on the conversation. Uh, use, the, use the Twitter hashtag VBrownBag. Um, I will be monitoring that for uh, the Q&A. Um, our guests tonight are uh, John Arashid. John, did I say that right? Who <laughs> <laughs> is VCDX number one. Mark Gabrielski, VCDX number 23. And Chris, Ma Chris McCain, VCDX number 79. Uh, I'm Chris Williams at Mistwire. And let me cut it over to Mr. Arashid. Sounds good. Uh, it's been a while since I did this, so basically, can you see what I have? Like, ready to go into presentation mode? Hold on. You you are now presenter, so go ahead and cut it over to yourself now. There we go. There we go. Uh, cool. Uh, and let me close off this side piece here. All right. So I wanted to welcome everyone to the call. We got a lot of people joining. I think we'll have a few more as well. I'm hoping you're joining for the discussion as well as the uh, as the discount. But we wanted to offer that up. Uh, uh, as a thank you also to V. Brownbag for continuing to support the work that we've been doing and, and providing us an opportunity to speak. Um, as you can see on here, we've got um, the cover of the book. I'll go into that in just a minute, um, and I'm going to do the introductions first here. So my, my name is John Arashi, as, as uh, you correctly pronounced. Um, <laughs> was, uh, I do have number one on the BCDX um, uh, roster, but there are actually um, approximately eight of us that actually were the early birds. Uh, to get the program kicked off. It did take a while to get it, uh, get it going. We had to take a lot of input on that. Um, but my background is on virtualization, but I have specialized in IT design and convergence, and that's why I do authoring and speaking as well. Um, Mark, I'll let you introduce yourself, and I'll do the same for Chris as well. Go ahead. Oh, cool. Uh, so Mark Gabrielski, um, I live and work up in the New Hampshire area. Um, been practicing IT for around 20 years because it's what I'm doing until I find out what I want to be when I grow up. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of luck playing with servers, storage, uh, networking, uh, wide area networks, DR plans, uh, and VDI and virtualization across Intel and Unix platforms. <laughs> so uh, I still like to tinker, uh, get my hands dirty, even though my title ends up saying practice manager. And Chris. All right. So I am Chris McCain. Uh, I'm looking at this picture of myself, and it looks like I'm not a linebacker for the Miami Dolphins, but rather <laughs> some federal penitentiary somewhere. Oh, I used the one from the book. I'm sorry. Yeah, that picture. No, that's all right. <laughs> so serious. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I'm BCDX79, as they mentioned. I am actually doing my first talk today with a new title. So the title that's up here is, is my old title. My new title official, uh, I guess as of today, is Director of Product Management uh, in Networking and Security. Uh, so thank you. Uh, so my, my title changed. I don't know that my role will change because I'll still be out 
talking with customers and speaking at events, uh, writing and, and working in the same space, but uh, just a different title. And uh, actually, this is my, my first V Brown Bag event, so pretty cool. Glad to be here. Very good. You know, there's, there's, one other thing, there's one other thing I'll mention real quick about Mark and myself. We have a, our secret passion, and that is music. So in our other lives, our alternate ego is playing some music. Guitar, ukulele, um, drums, other things. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, Look for the weird drum circle at VMworld this year, guys. There we go. <laughs> so I, I wanted to keep the slides short so we can have discussion, we can talk about various things on the book, but I wanted to definitely get a few things um, out so that you are aware of some of our goals, some of the things that we include, and, and so on. Um, we had several goals in this book. So this book had its start probably almost six years ago related to the VCDX program and related to trying to get um, people to move forward in both their existing practice for infrastructure design, but also a standardized approach. Similar to what VCDX does, you'll see that in the book there are some extensions that we have. The book will support the BCBX program, but it also will support other programs out there that are designed around infrastructure, uh, infrastructure design. Um, our goal was to teach a proven methodology that we've seen as consultants, that we've seen other people uh, that have practiced this, um, and specifically around infrastructure design, but it can be applied to several different areas. The example design documents we include cover both server and desktop virtualization, and we have um, an example of every piece of a design document set that would be needed, not using VMware uh, templates. We wanted to actually take a slightly different approach on how we might do this based on our, our years of experience in a way that could be accessible by people who are not partners, uh, because the templates that are provided by VMware are only available to employees or partners, and we wanted to find a way that we could reach out and support those who aren't in that category. The other thing we wanted to do is make sure that for experienced architects, we had a way of providing, I guess you could call this these uh, a set of reference architectures. Um, we look at it as, here are some full sets of design documents for server and desktop virtualization based on a case study that also includes an analysis. So we've include, included strengths as well as weaknesses, and that's where the analysis starts calling things out. So you can start thinking about applying the same principles. The other thing is, how do you present a design to a customer or as part of a certification uh, defense? We provide some guidelines in there. We provide some um, uh, examples of how you can put the document together and supporting information, how to walk through the material, and what are some key points to include. And last but not least, in the appendix area, we've incl included a number of uh, tools that you can use to help in the design. So those are the goals. The overarching one is that we want this as a teaching tool for both aspiring and experienced IT architects. Now, I'm not going to go through all the details here. I'll read these out just so you can see the different uh, chapters that we have. Um, thankfully, we actually had two um, uh, individuals that we all know um, uh, fairly well or, or very well. Um, there is my former CEO, Pat Gelsinger, and my current CTO, John Rose, who have both written forwards uh, in support of the book. Um, fortunately, I actually got to meet Michael Dell last week at a, a VMware conference. 
Um, I didn't get to get a picture of him endorsing the book, but I got one of Pat. I didn't put it in here because obviously I need some permission for that. <laughs> so we have an introduction. We have infrastructure design methodology. We have a case study that it requires certain things to support that, sorry, that will support an educational company that needs to demonstrate technology, teach technology, um, and in a way, we wanted to make sure we covered both desktop and server side in this area. And when we get to those areas, I would like to have uh, Mark and Chris talk about those two areas. Chris focused on the server virtualization design, and Mark focused on the server virtualization. My core was more on the infrastructure design and some of the, uh, the tools at the back of the book. We also have included um, an analysis of the different design document areas. This gives you a way to put yourself in the shoes of a VCGX uh, uh, who is a panelist or in the shoes of somebody who is reviewing your design at a customer site or at, at, from one of the business units. We cover the presenting and defending the design, and then we go into these four appendix areas. We have what's called a discovery phase um, survey. There's a set of questions included there. A design decision workbook. Those of you who've um, sat through some of the uh, design classes or workshops I've done at Partner Exchange will recognize some material out of there. We also have a design review readiness assessment. Uh, Chris and I were talking a little bit earlier about how he used that to help with um, one candidate as going through the, the review process. And Chris, I believe you're allowed to answer questions and, and provide feedback as well. So I'll let you get to that after I get through the last slide, if, if you're okay with that. Um, and then the very last area is building a design lab. And this is something that um, I'll have um, uh, Mark talk about. This is an area that he focused on in helping people uh, build, a design, uh, build a design lab to test out their design areas. Um, now, I'm just about done on the slides, and then I'll jump back so we can dive deep into some of the uh, different areas for the book. Um, Mark and I recognized that there was a lack in the market of infrastructure design books. We see a lot of product books. We do see some um, computer science and computer architecture books out there. Uh, we've also recognized that systems design engineering or systems design classes do cover some of the concepts, but do not translate well to what we're trying to teach in infrastructure design. So we looked at what the options were. We looked at several of the different publishers, looked at how we can get things out and who could move with us quickly. Many publishers like Pearson and O'Reilly were interested in doing this, but we couldn't get them to move fast enough. So we chose to go ahead and create our own um, LLC and launch the uh, book series. We have a second book in the series that's going through the review process right now, and this is being developed by Damon Baer, and the title is called Designing Risk in IT Infrastructure. You might ask, well, why would you design risk in IT infrastructure? Well, it's a play on, on words, so to speak. There is risk in every IT infrastructure. How do you manage that risk is something that Damon is covering in this book that I think you'll find very interesting. And there's a lot of humor in there as well that I think a lot of IT people will recognize. We do have other books in the series. Um, Chris, is look, uh, Chris McCain is looking at publishing uh, one. Uh, we have several other individuals as well. I'll leave it to Chris to kind of talk about that area. Um, but we'll leave the other books uh, for future discussion. Maybe uh, you might want to have Damon Bear on and one of the future V. Brown Bags to talk about his book. And then the other item that I wanted to include here for everyone 
is a link on where you can get 20% discount on either the hard or the soft cover versions of the book. Unfortunately, Lulu doesn't give me the ability to do that for um, EPUBs, at least not at this time, uh, because they're going through the final release of the EPUB book. I think that's part of the reason. If you buy the book now in EPUB format, you will get a black and white version. The only color piece are the, the headers for the, for the different sections, which is not the final intent. The final version will have color graphics uh, included. The books are in black and white. Um, the discount will land roughly around 9 o'clock tonight, um, Pacific time. Uh, and that is for those who are participating. If you want to share it with others, they're more than welcome to use that discount, but we'll have it open uh, probably for about the next three plus hours or so. Um, so what I want to do is now allow some of the other individuals to talk about their different areas that they've worked on uh, to give them some time to jump in. Uh, Mark, Chris, do either of you want to go first? I'll jump back to the table of contents and you can talk about your section. Yeah, I'll talk about uh, the server virtualization part because I think there's something important that you said that I want to draw sure. upon. So when John was explaining this, he, he likened this or said uh, these are sort of like a reference architecture. And they, they are, but they're a different type of reference architecture because I think it's interesting for somebody that's looking at design to actually take the contents of our book and then look at a standard reference architecture of VMware validated design or something like that and see what the differences are because in this book what we're looking at is not something that solves every problem. We're not looking at what's appropriate for the bulk of customers. We're looking at what's appropriate for a specific customer. And as an architect, it's important to be able to understand how a reference architecture or a validated design is something that you can use as a, as a basis of a design but is not going to solve every problem. Whereas what we have in the book, by giving you a case study, allows you to understand that dynamic of when do I step away from white, what might be common practice? When do I step away from what might be a best practice? And by seeing this in an environment where there's a customer and the decisions are driven by requirements, you're, you're seeing this not as a standardized design, but as a reference for yourself to be able to understand how to make those decisions. Uh, and I think that's part of what, what really drew me to writing this book with, with John and Mark is, is setting it apart from just something that you can look at as a best practice or a common practice, but really teaching people how to find requirements and how to find constraints and how to translate those into design decisions that you make uh, that are relevant to that particular customer. Hey, uh, if you don't mind, I wanted to add one other thing. For people who would like to use this <clears throat> as a learning experience or in support of developing it, excuse me, <clears throat> something caught in my throat. <clears throat> Drink the water the wrong way. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, everybody cough all at once. Uh, so the VCDX program is about creating designs that reflect the real world. This here does reflect the real world, but you cannot just take a design and copy it and submit it. You do want to think about how do you create a design for a particular customer situation 
And if you would like to use what we have provided as an example to help you, we have good structure, we have good examples to help you in developing that, but I do not believe that if you copy this and actually submit it, it would be accepted. My understanding is that is not the case. But it is designed to give you something to understand what is looked for in a VCDX defense. Now, I mentioned VCDX, this also applies to customers. For many customers, as Chris mentioned, you want to customize for that, that particular environment. There is a second point I also wanted to call out, and as people look through the book, they'll say, hey, why did you pick specific versions of vSphere and, um, and uh, the, the end user computing technology? We chose technologies that weren't on the bleeding and cutting edge because if we're using this book to teach and use it as an example for people to start on design, we wanted to make sure there was a large amount of information that goes beyond what we have in the book. Things like knowledge-based articles, things like white papers, and so on. So this gives you the ability to start on something and understand how the design works, and then you can delve deeper on specific details of specific versions. Um, we have a, a question real quick. Sure. Um, is this book similar to the VCDX Bootcamp book from VMware Press? If yes, then how much similarity in a percentage coming from Harsh? It is not a duplicate of that. The VCDX Bootcamp book is based on the workshops and bootcamps that we've done over the years. The current workshops are based on that as well. What is not included in that book are example designs. And what is not included in that book are some of the tools that we've included in this book. Um, it's an order of magnitude um, in, in additional material that goes into the examples and the methodology beyond just the basics for the VCBX program. Yeah, so John, I mean the way I look at it is that that boot camp book was a good work and it enabled people to, to understand what to expect as they approach the VCDX defense. Um, but the one thing that, you know, and the reason we wrote this uh, from so many people, we've had, you know, the big thing that everyone would say is, how do I get started writing my documentation? And, you know, we've already mentioned you can't just plagiarize it because, you know, the, the, the panelists would recognize that. But it gives you an idea of this is how I can put together a document. These are the types of things to include. And then as you're reading through the, you know, the sample designs, uh, you can really, uh, you'll, you'll see how the, how the, thought, the, the thought process works in, in choosing different components. Um, and you can definitely make it yours. Um, and that's, you know, that's another reason that, uh, as John mentioned, we did cover, I think, version 4 of vSphere in the server virtualization design, and version 6 um, with version 5 of vSphere underneath the covers for the Horizon View example. Not because they were the latest and greatest, they still teach that logic, that approach that's required in meeting the requirements uh, to successfully uh, deliver on a project. Do you have any other questions? Um, it, because I'll, I'll go ahead and let Mark uh, run into the uh, desktop uh, virtualization aspect as well. Uh, nope, we're good right now. Uh, so on the desktop virtualization, um, you know, we had a, it was a lot of fun writing that because uh, I was actually doing three or four different projects, you know, at the same time. So it was uh, really cool to actually be able to write a chapter for this book and see see these things implemented. Um, but uh, you know, you kind of take for granted when uh, when you're doing the implementations how how many things that you consider as you're rolling it out. Um, and when you take a any end user compute solution, whether it's Vue or Citrix writing on top of that, 
it usually rides on a hypervisor, so you kind of make the expectation that the uh, the vSphere environment in our case would be uh, completely solid. But there are some things that you might do differently in uh, in that environment, and you know it's really cool to just see how one person might approach it because there are so many different ways to do things like managing a user profile um, that uh, are available in all the different types of uh, desktop virtualizations out there, um, and Really, the, uh, the the key in doing both the server and the desktop virtualization is about keeping operations simple uh, long term. And Chris, I think you coined this at one of our panels at VMworld. Don't in, you know implementation of technology for technology's sake is a waste. Yeah, you owe me a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to uh, talk about is uh, another area that. Um, Mark, Chris, and I all contributed on. Um, I'm going to let Chris talk about this particular area. It's on presenting and defending the design and how we might, um, I guess, what we're trying to do in helping uh, individuals uh, be more successful when they actually do that presentation. How do they create the design? Chris? Yeah, sure. So this, is, this was an interesting area for me. Uh, because when I did my VCDX, you know, I, I was a I was a trainer, so I really this wasn't a requirement for me. But I was getting out and speaking with customers more, and I found myself in a position where, much like the VCDX, when you go out and talk with a customer, you don't have hours of their time to speak with customers. So whether it's it's part of the iterative process, and we're with stakeholders talking about specific areas, or whether it's an actual VCDX defense. Uh, managing your time, managing your delivery, and presenting in an organized manner is critical to your success. And that success is defined by either earning the VCDX, uh, making sure and validating design decisions, or maybe it's a, a sale uh, to a customer. So whatever it might be, those situations and the, the context of those situations is the same. So when you're looking at any of those situations, it's important that your delivery to the customer uh, be scripted. It, it needs to tell a story. It needs, it needs to progress in a very prescriptive manner so that you're able to utilize your time effectively with that customer or in the VCDX. Uh, and so when I did my defense, and this is one of the things that has become uh, wildly popular I've seen as a panelist, is in my presentation, I, I made the presentation very short. Uh, and I do this with customers too. I don't want to I don't want to have 80 slides with a customer. I want to stay high level, I want conceptual, I want logical so that I can present the solution. And that's what my goal was with the VCDX as well. But I also kept in my tool belt as part of the PowerPoint about an additional 80 or 90 slides that were technical details. It was configuration specifications things where if a customer were to ask or the panels were to ask, well, why did you make this particular decision or what did you use in your configuration of something, I actually had not only an appendix, but I had hyperlinks that were configured throughout the entire presentation. So I could, within one or two clicks, I could immediately jump to the information that I was looking for. And you think about this, again, in the context of being with a customer, or in a VCDX where time is so critical, you need to be able to get the information quickly. You need to understand where that information is, how you're gonna deliver it, and then go back to your story. 
So I was able to actually navigate forward, backwards, sideways, all throughout my presentation very easily, which allowed me to stay on target with what I wanted to cover and make sure that I could answer the questions that the panelists had or that a customer had. So, you know, to me, the key in your presentation is in the organization and your understanding of what is the story that I want to tell for the next 30 minutes or 45 minutes or however much time that you have. Very good. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the tools that we've included, and I'll let uh, Mark uh, cover the, the building a design lab. Let me go real quick on these three. Discovery phase survey questions um, include examples as a starting point. <clears throat> Obviously, an individual who is doing a design and doing discovery of what's needed for that design will want to ask a number of different questions. And based on their background, they may ask different types of questions. We wanted to give a sampling across the board in many different areas. Um, this includes security and, and uh, availability, recoverability, things like that. Um, and we also included something that, um, although the, 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 the education, the certification program has evolved, are still valid. We called them out. The timing actually uh, just happened to be just right or just wrong, depending on whose perspective you look at. But they, VMware now has, instead of the VCAP certifications, the IX certifications. The same approach applies, but what we did is we included some examples from the VCAP um, uh, areas that you want to focus on um, as some of the areas that also apply to design. So even though VCAP doesn't exist anymore, the questions are still valid. We thought that would be useful for people who are doing those initial discovery meetings with the customer. We also have included something that I've been working on for, for years. Uh, this is something called the Design Decision Workbook, and this is something that varies depending on who um, is developing uh, their list of design decisions, their design patterns, supporting information, and so on. I took a very simple format. Um, this is similar to what was covered in the VCDX Bootcamp book, but goes in, in, into a little bit more uh, detail with some example uh, worksheets that are included in there. Our goal is for both the survey questions and this design decision workbook to be included on the related um, uh, book for, uh, website that we have. Uh, we'll share that later on um, when we get to the very end. Um, but we're still doing the development of that website, but we will have um, uh, things that you can download from there. The other area that I created was something called a design review readiness assessment. This is what I've created myself on looking at all these different designs, things that I've done, things that other people have done that I work with, things that panelists as well as uh, candidates for the BCBX program have used. And it's, it's something that I think is very valuable because if you don't have a checklist, it's hard to determine where you, your strengths or weaknesses might be. And my preference for people who are going through things like a certification exam is that they can go through it once making sure that they can do an evaluation and understand what they're doing well and areas that they might improve on. And um, for Chris Williams, I'm not sure, would you like to talk about what we, we were talking about briefly before we started? Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, I, was, I was just mentioning, you're talking about the, uh, the design that, that I was reviewing? Yes, exactly. So um, I was actually using the appendix of this book to help a, a friend of mine that was submitted for the uh, the design defense um, that just happened this last Sunday, 
she, she came to me and asked me to uh, to take a look at her design. And um, just at the exact same time, this, this book dropped in the mail. So as I was reading the design, I was also simultaneously going through the book and, and using, using the, uh, the tool sets in it to, to help me in the edits for the design. Well, I'm glad I was able to help. That's, that's demonstration, I think, going forward on, on what we were trying to achieve. And thank you for, for definitely using that. So the part that I didn't tell you about was the fact that they also had a mentor that was helping them from the other side, and I didn't know about it until after I gave it back, and his edits and my edits were 90% the same. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Confirmation. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> um, what I also wanted to do is give uh, Mark uh, uh, a chance to talk a little bit about what he's done over the years that led to what we included in the book. Mark has been working on blogs and things like that to help people build design labs. Um, this is not like you, the, some of the design labs that you see that are built into the cloud. This is actually uh, can apply to that, but it's focused more on building a environment um, that is local or in some co-located facility that includes hardware components for building a design lab and has extensibility. Mark, I'll let you go ahead and, and cover it and correct anything if I said anything wrong there. Uh, you know, you, you hit it right on the head, but uh, I think we left out um, a, a huge component of building a design lab because, yeah, uh, you know, you're, some people are going to want to still build hardware uh, and keep things local. and. Uh, you know, about three, four years ago, uh, one of the uh, the the VTUGs, which is uh, one of the users groups in the New England area, uh, I did a uh, I got so many questions from folks all the time. How do I learn? How do I start uh, putting it together? So I had been putting together this long list of of different tasks that you know we take for granted that we do, um, and then I really had to step back and think about well, what did it take when I was starting out in IT and I had you know no money? I was you know strapped for cash and you know components were expensive and virtualization had made it pretty easy because you could basically buy a, a server and a storage device and you could get get yourself going and start providing yourself some self-education or something to work on as you as you start uh, learning practicing or, or validating components um, so I really went out of the way in this design lab I'm not saying everybody should go and purchase all these all this equipment because you know I did it on an extreme budget I tried to find a, a way to deliver iSCSI, NFS, uh, Azure backend storage with a layer two, layer three switch with VLAN uh, and management capabilities uh, and an ESX server that you could have at the house um, you know, for a, under a $2,000 budget. So some of us have more to spend, some of us have less to spend, but it, you know, we were able to put all those components together uh, for a really short price and I know quite a few people who have uh, picked it up and built it successfully. Um, but that's really only the precursor. Um, you know, uh, after that, it's what do you do to build out an infrastructure? And I tried to focus on the things that we see every day in, I, you know, in every IT environment. Um, how do you build an active directory domain? How do, how do you build um, DNS? How do you build out and plan for all your DHCP scopes uh, and your IP helpers? Uh, how do you go through and deal with certificate authorities. Uh, do you run your own and how do you deal with that? Um, and I mean all these little little components that just, you know, when you say deploy Active Directory, there's so many other things that go into that planning and, and, and design. And it's not that I give you the answers, um, 
on how things should be rolled out. I've gone through and penned over the last few years all the little things that I do when I'm rolling out a net new environment. And in my, in my line of work, we get the chance to do that quite often. Um, so that covers things from the core infrastructure, which we take for granted, to backup plans, to antivirus solutions, and how do you integrate all these components. I mean, you could sit down and just look at that design lab, and if you're starting out in IT, you could probably spend a year to two years just going through that uh, and hitting each bulleted item, even though it might only be 20 pages long. Um, so it's kind of like an action item list for things that you should know um, uh, well as you're going out and uh, being that lead architect, leading someone through a successful design. Um, and I, you know, I love it. Uh, I still go and reference it and, uh, when I have new junior guys at my office. We basically go through that entire chapter together um, over the course of a year or two years. Uh, quick, quick question from the from Graham. Uh, is, the, is there a difference between a home type lab and a design lab? Um, well, depending on a home lab, in my opinion, uh, a lot of home labs are, are small. Uh, there's a few uh, few people who have some really nice labs, <clears throat> Michael Webster, uh, yeah. that yeah. you know, most of them just dream of affording. Uh, I just personally don't want to see 42 rack units of equipment in my house. Um, but for a home lab where you're actually trying to build out a whole environment, you might need a, a little more hardware. But if you're doing it for design, uh, what's really cool is I can build a completely nested you know, environment and do a lot of design and validation and procedural components. And I can test whether or not certain things will work uh, using nested virtualization. Uh, and you know you can really spin a lot of those virtual machines up. I think the uh, the home lab uh, server that I recommended only had 32 gigs of RAM, uh, but yet with that you can still spin up you know four to eight ESX hosts on on a server like that. So yeah, you know it's, it's kind of funny because that's one of the things that I did when I was still doing design using either VMware Workstation or VMware Fusion to actually with an SSD drive develop a design and test it out. I, we actually, I, I worked with somebody else who's also a BCDX, Kamal Wangu, who, who created a whole environment to uh, demonstrate SRM failover. Of course, you can't have real workloads in that environment to do performance level testing, but you can do functional testing, things like the failover, do security testing, and so on. But, you know, the, the building a design, just the front side of it's a little bit of hardware. I think the value comes in that here's all the components that you might want to consider as you're, you know, in your IT life. Um, but you know, hard, having hardware in your home lab, <clears throat> I actually just finally got rid of my my home lab equipment here at the house um, because I have so much hardware at work. That's great if I need hardware, but there's so many other uh, offerings available, and I'm not going to call out any in particular. But you could go out and get a cloud subscription model to run nested virtualization and, and do a lot of your validation and processes uh, today. So, so. One other area that I want to talk about and give an opportunity for not just myself, but also Chris and, and Mark to jump in is on the analysis section. Um, the in, when we looked at the designs that we had, we wanted to play devil's advocate and think about strengths and weaknesses, alternative choices that could be made. And we kind of used some things like a up arrow, down arrow, or a dash to represent a stronger design with an up arrow. Uh, a weaker design, maybe a design choice with a down arrow and so on, and provide the uh, related information. 
Um, and, you know, I did some of that as well. Um, I wanted to give maybe um, uh, Mark or Chris, either one of you, if you want to talk a little bit about it, maybe one of the examples um, that you actually use uh, as part of the book in that area. Would you guys like to cover what, something like that? I can pull one up if you like, um, or would you guys like to just jump in and give an example? Start out with the servers. I, did you want me to pull one up? Sure. Okay, let me just see here real quick. So uh, let me pick here. Uh, there was one that we had in, um, in the management layer design um, and looking at the concept of a management cluster. And in there, there was included a number of different questions around that. Um, I'm not sure. So the hard part for me right now is Mark and Chris aren't able to see exactly what I'm looking at. I actually have the book open to page 266. That's where, <laughs> where I'm looking. But we try to include some questions as part of the summary. So when we say, do you agree with the concept of management cluster, there's some additional questions that might be included. Things like, do you disagree with vCenter running on a cluster that is managed by the vCenter server? What types of business requirements would drive you to eliminate the management from within the design? Things like that. Does the design properly address the operations management requirements? Just doing a design is one part. Then how do we actually run the design and make sure that it behaves as expected or continues to be improved as we add more workloads in that environment? Um, let me see here. I'm going to look for another. I'll let you, you want to jump in for a second while I pull up another example? I'm flipping, flipping through. Uh, here's a great one. Uh, when we start dealing with the networking, uh, Chris's server design was built at a time when one gig net networking was dominant in the, uh, in the data center. Um, but then we go into a whole networking section here where we start to say, well, what if we had swapped out one gig with 10 gig networking and how that changes the design and what additional risks does that bring in? Um, those of us who have done VMware long enough remember that v, you know, vMotion had to be on its own pair of network cards and management was only a single NIC. Uh, but now that, you know, that was always the best practice to keep all those components separated. Uh, now with the advent of two 10 gig NICs sitting on, you know, land on motherboard or in blade servers, uh, are you willing to take on that risk of just a LAN on motherboard NIC dying and uh, causing a network outage for an, an ESX server? Um, and what you know? How does that affect if the VMware licensing is standard versus Enterprise Plus? Uh, because in Enterprise Plus, you can use network I/O control. So, I mean, some some really good uh, topics there, uh, especially when you know you're looking at this and we're also talking about the next book coming out about avoiding risk in the uh, NIT designs. I found uh, one other one that I'll, that I'll run through real quick, and that is in the design that we had, there was HP Blade servers, and they were used for the desktop virtualization design versus rack mount servers in the server virtualization design. So what we did is we provided a number of questions related to that. We said one was, how would this be implemented differently if Dell Blade servers were used in the design? Um, and we had something as an example of Dell chassis use switches for external connections. Well, in this design, Flex Fabric was used. And we go into more details around there. Um, it's kind of interesting that we had HP and then we showed an example with Dell, not because of the acquisition that's, that we're, that's pending, but more of let's look at several different vendors 
let's look at, at scale up versus scale out and focus on thinking about the differences on the design, the cost, the implementation, the integration, and actually the operations down the road. Um, so those are those are some examples. Um, I don't know, Chris. Do you wanna? Do you have one that you might wanna call out? Well, I, you know, I don't have any specifics, but I think this this whole concept of what we're talking about is really one of the humongous selling points for the book. Right? Is as an architect, it's not just about the design decision you made, but it's about what are the other things that you could choose from. What you know, what is the long term impact? If I design something for a customer today that a month from now is no good, is that a good design, right? So how do I how do I think about the changes that could occur in technology? How do I think about uh, other design decisions that could be made and what their impact would be? And that's what that's what's pretty neat about going through this is because you're going to find yourself in the same situation with customers. I mean, look where we are today. If you went out and talked to the customer. Uh, about doing a design, how could you have that discussion without understanding or knowing what the customer's strategy would be for software-defined networking in the next six, six months or eight months, right? Because you could go design something that is very hardware-centric like we have done in the past, but then all of a sudden that hardware-centric model doesn't support the right scalability if you start to look at overlay networks. Uh, so th this book is, is not just to, to show you a functional example, but to get you in that mindset of questioning design decisions and understanding alternatives and opportunities to get better as an architect. One thing you'll see in the book that we, we have in the analysis section is, is talking about the Socratic method where you ask questions and you drill deep in several different areas to kind of expose things that you might not find if you just took information just from uh, from in a broadcast manner, meaning the customer broadcasts the requirements. Let's ask some additional questions. Um, there, there's a great little quote that uh, we got included thanks to uh, William Gibson, uh, who oh, wrote nice. this in zero. Paper. He actually gave us permission. It says, "When you want to know how things really work, study them when they're coming apart." And I have to tell you, every one of us who's done architecture design and done implementation has had at least one experience where somebody else had done a design and things were falling apart and we found that, hey, if you had used the Socratic method and you had asked some pointed questions in certain areas, you might have found the weakness before it actually got exposed in the real world where we actually had the implementation. You know, you bring up quoting, uh, and John, one of the easiest pieces of this book to write uh, was about 12, 13 pages of uh, perspectives that other um, VCDX level candidates had a chance to share with us. Uh, and I think it's cool that we can have uh, about a hundred different viewpoints from folks that have gone out and been successful in doing designs and implementations um, uh, right in the book. Um, so nice little snippets, power, uh, paragraphs from some about how they feel design could be approached. So as you read through it, it's kind of cool that you, you will see that at one point you're going to run across um, a handful, if not most of those types of quotes and approaches uh, validating how you think about design and solving a problem for a customer. You know, maybe as we go into the end part of the broadcast, um, this one quote that I, that I got from Andrew Hall, this is for the preface, 
might be appropriate. So I'll go ahead and I'll read it real quick. Infrastructure design at its core is about the seamless reflection of the business upon the canvas of the company cloud. When done right, the information technology team is seen as a powerful enabler of strategy and vision. When dysfunctional, IT is dead weight that inhibits growth and innovation. How does your business view your design? That's Andrew Hall, BCDX number four. I thought that would be a good one because it really captures kind of the essence of a lot of the other quotes that are in there, but there are vastly many more uh, that are included um, uh, that we thought would be valuable. So let's see. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll this back down to the the link here. I know it's in the uh, chat window as well, but I wanted to open it up for any additional questions that we have. Yes. So uh, we actually we've 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 got uh, several. Um, does the book help if someone is going for TOGAF? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I have to think no because we have. I mean, I do have a quote in there from Togaf, and I have a little description of that. Um, I think that's in the preface or the introduction chapter. But no, this is definitely not Togaf. There are approaches that we use that may overlap with there, but there's a whole licensing issue if we wanted to use Togaf material in our book. So we didn't do that. Okay. I mean, the, but the the design and methodology. Uh, so in studying for my DCD, I was I was also at the same time simultaneously studying for TOGAF, and there, there is there is a lot of overage. Um, I agree. In, I definitely. In, yeah. there, there's there's legal reasons why we can't um, use material from TOGAF in in our book. So we we basically gotcha. didn't that material. Um, some of us have ITO background. I don't know. I don't have TOGAF myself. I understand the principles. Um, but the focus, as that person uh, is asking, uh, does overlap. The focus of what we're doing overlaps with, with other design practices. We just wanted to summarize mm. the best of things that we found without outright trying to plagiarize from other, from other groups. So the, so the answer is no in air quotes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do the same types of decisions here also apply to public cloud design? i.e. vCloud Air, well, he says AWS, but I'll say vCloud Air, make you feel better, AWS, Azure, et cetera. Yeah, this can apply to several different areas. What we don't have included are some of the details that go specifically into hybrid cloud, and that's what we're looking at for future books that's coming down the road. Um, maybe what I might do is pass this to Chris for a second uh, to see his thoughts, because that's one of the areas that he has been focused on maybe on the networking, but also on the cloud space. He's one of the, uh, I think we've only got two double BCGXs, maybe three at the most. Um, and Chris covers the data center design as well as the networking area as well. Chris, would you like to, to tackle that one? Yeah, what, what was the specific question? I missed it. I'll let Chris, uh, Chris uh, repeat it. Do, do the same types of decisions have here also apply to public cloud design, i.e. AWS? Oh, so, <laughs> look, you know, in general, yes, of course, right? When you look to go to a cloud, does that mean that you're not concerned about availability and manageability and, and security? Of course you are. Uh, the difference is in the way that that gets implemented, right? The, the technology that gives you that security to meet your requirements or availability, whatever it might be. Uh, now, given you know this book, it is on VMware technology, but is meant to kind of help just as an architect understand the importance of a framework 
uh, obviously hybrid cloud is is going to be making a big push uh, in the next you know three years, four years as many more clouds migrate. So the content of this book is going to allow you to start to think about the same concepts within the context of hybrid cloud. So you know the answer to your question is yes. It, you do have to think about these same things, but what you find in the book is not going to be the same solution. Uh, you know what you find in the book from a networking perspective using VDS with port groups is even today probably going to be different when you start to look at logical switches with NSX or maybe uh, stretching uh, logical networks with layer 2 VPN as opposed to hardware centric OTV and stuff like that. So, you know, the design decision that says, hey, I need to stretch layer 2 because my availability requirements suggest that I need a stretch cluster, you know, that decision at the conceptual and logical level is still the same. The difference becomes at your physical design, how did you actually achieve that using technology? And you, you actually hit it on the head. So if, if I were to extend a little bit, um, I agree 100% with everything there. There's no disagreement. The extra extension I would add is we're not just talking about creating a design document. We're also talking about how do you go through the process of discovering the information that you don't have in the initial um, proposal for the, uh, for the design from a customer or a business unit. So we go through that methodology. We go through the presentation area. Once again, this is something that will apply to any, uh, uh, whether it's cloud or, or not. But the thing that you want to focus is what Chris covered. The conceptual and the logical aspects should apply to cloud as well as non-cloud because you're talking about what resource technical capabilities are required. You're not talking about specific products yet. It's not until you get to the physical design area. I will say though that when you start looking at containers, microservices, and other things like that, there will also be some differences in what we are, not differences, different ways of approaching things when you actually get to the conceptual, uh, sorry, when you go through the conceptual to get to the logical and the physical design. Cool. Okay. Uh, so uh, one more question. Do you, do you have, uh, oh, they're, they're, they're asking if you, if you to, to get the most out of this book, do you have to have your, your, your uh, VCIX? No. No. You could do this if you only have IT background, just from general IT use, um, to get started. You just have to understand basic technology. You do not have to have IX or uh, a full design background. It might help to have a VCP, but that's if you're looking to do a vSphere design. But if you're just looking to approach it as an architect, you could be a, you know, a strictly Hyper-V shop or a AWS native company, 100% cloud. Several people that I do know um, have used some of the material. They were actually going through the review process, and they used the material and some of the work that they were doing related to cloud and other types of uh, solutions that differ from what we actually had covered. Okay. Um, uh, Graham is asking, doesn't the design and physical implementation both affect each other? Um, can you clarify a little bit more? I mean, I, I agree yeah. on that. Yeah. I'd say the conceptual drives logical and logical drives physical. Right. Uh, that's, that's a bit unclear, Graham, if, if you could um, elaborate a little bit. And, and while he's doing that, what I would say is think of the logical design as saying, 
here are the technical capabilities that have to be included in the design. And the physical design is where you pick the product uh, from a particular vendor and a specific configuration for that product. Okay. Well, um, while, while he's filling up, uh, okay, here we go. Just seemed to be saying that the logical design was a separate part of the project from the physical layout, but can they be? Uh, they can be separate or they can be combined. So you'll see in the book that we've actually got both approaches included. I forget who did which, but we have some areas where we show logical separated from physical. And in the areas where you see them combined, you know what I mean, inter intermingled, are areas where we knew for a fact that there was a constraint that said, you must use this specific version of a product. And in those cases, we know that the physical design piece has already been um, chosen by the customer, but we may have to do some configuration uh, differences. And in those cases, you'll see uh, a combination uh, and showing the distinct areas, but showing that they're linked together in the same area of the design. So you don't have to have two separate documents, one for logical and one for physical. They can be combined together. All right. He said thank you. Um, uh, Adam is asking, so quite a bit of VCDX chat, which I love. Is that DCV? Is there any NV included? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. So uh, obviously this is the the next space that I'm working on here is, is taking uh, a similar book and creating something uh, focused on network virtualization. Uh, you know, you look at this book and it's the traditional networking, you know, you set up your hardware and you choose VDS versus VSS, how do you want to arrange your NICs? Well, today it's, it's a much more complicated uh, set of design decisions when you start to look at overlay networks and we simplify the physical network and, you know, move that complexity into software with the abstraction of networking, security, load balancing, all that good stuff. So uh, this book does not hit on any of the SDN or NSX specifics, but that's, uh, that's my task is for the third book in the series to cover SDN. Think of it this way. When, when Chris builds something like that out, we're going to try to take the same approach. The idea is it would be on software design, um, software design networking, or SDN, but the examples, the physical design examples, would specifically be NSX or whatever um, uh, Chris chooses that are the physical components. Very cool. Um, is there is there a date for books number two and three, the the risk and the envy books? The, well, we're going through the review of uh, the chapters right now for the designing um, uh, risk and IT uh, infrastructure. Um, I don't have a target date. We will likely be able to have a target release date sometime later in the summer. Um, we we want to shoot for VMworld, but just knowing the process that we've just gone through with this book, it's likely it'll follow um, at post VMworld US. When exactly, we'll have to wait a little bit to get a little closer to that because there's a number of things that we have to depend upon from uh, the publisher. Nice, very cool. cool. You want to say anything on the on the other one? You're welcome to do that. I know that's that's something that is also coming down the road. Yeah, it'll probably be early 2017, Q1 2017. 
Another thing, uh, another thing that I would, would offer up is as we go forward and we continue to build out this series, what we're trying to do is focus on enablement aspects, meaning when we do examples, we know they'll get out of date on the physical design area, but our core focus is on the other material that's included in there and where we pick the physical design as the very last piece. So we want to think about for software-defined networking, software-defined storage, uh, converged infrastructure. We have a number of different things that we're thinking out about in those spaces. Hybrid Cloud is one of the other ones also that's, in, that's planned for the series. Um, and we've reached out to a lot of different authors, um, and we have a number of them that are moving forward as, as it stands. What I would like to offer up is if you are out there and you have an area that you specialize in and you do have architecture design background or in a specific area that could benefit other architects, we definitely would like to talk to you. We can't give a guarantee on whether or not we would be able to publish um, the material that you have, but we would like to actually give an opportunity to people to do that if they have the right writing skills, the right uh, background, uh, and so on, and also can recognize that book publishing is not a simple task. Um, it's time-consuming. Uh, I won't go into all the details because you're probably fall asleep, but um, there's a lot of things that go into doing that. Uh, for those who have published before, you can definitely understand what I'm talking about, but it's uh, not something that, um, that you want to take lightly. Uh, and there are specific deadlines that you want to focus on. We usually look at a public deadline that is shared. There's a target deadline, which we hope we can get sooner. And then there's a very aggressive deadline. With our first book in the series, we basically could not meet um, a number of those deadlines that we set for ourselves because of things that were completely beyond our control. And that's something that people need to recognize as they go through publishing we are open to listen to people who are interested in doing something uh, for the series. Nice. Um, Adam is asking, I've already ordered it, but just asking before it gets here, are there any hyper-converged examples in the book? <laughs> no. No, not for this book. Okay. Sorry, there's Adam. A little, there's a little talking point in there, but it's not, it, it's not a selling point for the book. Okay. Um, Chris is asking, have you thought about writing a book about writing a technical book? <laughs> no, I, I tell you, you know what, I think that would be a good one. There are people who have written books on that, and we've gotten some of those books, we've read them. Um, it might be something we might want to do, but maybe what we'll do is we'll put it as a, uh, uh, as a freebie, here are some checklists to think about, and maybe put it on the IT uh, uh, Architect resource site. Uh, Graham says a book on technical blogging would be a good idea. Um, Ariel is, ask, is asking, uh, tell us about the community in the site. Hmm? Well, yeah, that's, still, that's still kind of in its infancy. Um, so one of the things that we had thought that we would want to provide people, and uh, just because I'm that kind of person, if I'm reading a book and you're, you're offering some suggestions or giving me a template, wouldn't it be great to just go ahead and download those templates. So what we're looking to do now is, um, you'll see that um, there's a chapter in here. We have some sample operational guides um, following the server design. Well, if you like the format, if you like the flow, and you want to get a head start, wouldn't it be great to just download that? Um, and those is one of the things that we were looking to do from that website. And John, you, um, I know you had, you had wanted to even start discussion groups in there. Uh, you know what if you would do this or uh, point to discussions as, as new topics or uh, errata comes out. 
this is something we have planned. Um, we are juggling a lot of things at the same time uh, with work, personal life, and, and, and this first book, but it's something that we have on our target. Um, I don't have a time frame yet. We have the starting point on the, on the web. Um, Mark, if you want to share it, we can go ahead and do that, but just recognize it is just a basic website currently. We are expanding on that, and that's something that will come over the, I think, over the summer months. We'll actually get that fleshed out. Yep, and I'm going to share that out, get that out to the folks through the chat. Um. All right. Um, Ariel is also asking, is there any way for the people that got the physical book to get a copy of the ebook for a discount? Um, I, I would be able to answer that in the very near term. I'm just waiting for the final uh, word from uh, Lulu. But it is something that we wanted to do. We actually wanted to see if we could find a way. Uh, we don't know the whole process because this is something kind of new to Lulu and some of the other publishers. But allow people that either are buying both a print and an EPUB to get a discount. Hmm. And if that is not a possibility, and especially for the people who have already bought the book, finding a way to get a discount. And I think we have a way to work it. I just don't want to say anything yet because I haven't finalized that. Um, let me leave it as this. Um, if, uh, so for people that are on the call, I'll share my email address. If you want to reach out, please don't post it online. I mean, it's just, it's my personal email. But if you want to reach out to me um, and you've purchased the book, the, the print version, and would like to get an EPUB at a discount, drop me an email. And I'm so signing you up for so many websites. <laughs> I'm going to get yelled on this. But yeah, it's the spam filters too. But I try to answer every email I get. Um, my apologies if there's a delay on getting a response. Sometimes that happens. It's just I do get a lot of emails over there. Okay. Um, I'll probably need a bcbx 1 at uh, gmail.com. Maybe I'll do that for a future. There you go. Uh, so um, so my, my bad. Chris is actually asking, is John really going to be in Maine in July? <laughs> that's, uh, that's Chris Hardy, the other I, guy. Yeah, I, I, I would love to do that. I mean, it's, uh, it would be, I think it would be a lot of fun. Cool. All right. We'll we'll talk about it after the uh, after the webinar. Cool. Uh, th so w with uh, <laughs> with Mr. Harney's final smart-ass remark, I think I think we're good. Well, thank you everyone for joining. Um, I will keep that link up. Um, let me just go to the last page real quick. I will. <laughs> it did it again. It dropped off the end. There we go. Um, I will keep this up until it's roughly midnight East Coast time, 9 p.m. my time. So you, people on the call and others who you know who may want to pick up the book, you're welcome to share it. Uh, but it will end uh, at 9 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And uh, Chris actually posted the link in Bitly, and I think he shared it through the chat as well. So also put on the Twitter feed as well. Yeah. Very cool. Cool. All right. Well, I'm uh, any, any last comments, guys? Well, thank you for letting us uh, come by and uh, share some time with everyone. Thanks, Thanks for joining. Thank, thank you very much. All right. My best wishes as you pursue the architecture, uh, architecture design career. Nice. <laughs>